the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. I was, what was I watching? Some science show. It was a Nova. Anyway, this idea, when they start talking about the world being millions of years old, well... Among the scholarly, it's accepted that human tradition, I hate to tell you, not one of them scientists were here to see any of it. I'm not tearing that apart. In accordance with the elementary principles of the world. Now notice, the world operates on certain principles. Rather than in accordance with Christ. So the rather than... Okay, is a contrastive conjunction. So what, Pastor? It means, I want you to contrast, there's a contrast, a difference between the principles of the world and the principles according to Christ. We get this idea in our world all the time. This is one of their principles. They will lay out, and it comes in out all kinds of forms. You see it celebrated everywhere. Getting along is the most important thing. They call it all kinds of things, from bipartisanship to open-mindedness to okay, tolerance. The most impo- we got to stop this bickering. Well, that's why our founding fathers, by the way, created two houses of Congress, because they wanted them to bicker. One com- you know, bounces the other, no human nature. But that's one of the lies, the principles of the world. Well, getting along, that's what really matters. James 4 and 4. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Notice it doesn't say this. Friendship with the world is just a neutral place. No, no, no. To be friends with the world, not people, the world principles, the world system, the world ideas, your, those ideas are hostile to God. There's no place for middle ground there. Therefore, whoever wants to be friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Well, I know, I, I just don't want to judge, you know, and I have friends that, oh, and they're wonderful people because of, that. I understand that, I can love the people, I don't have to embrace the principles. If you have a friend or family member that's homosexual, love them, love them good, okay. express that love to them. 
but never capitulate to their principles. John 15, 19. If you, this is Jesus speaking, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But, there's that contrast again, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Nehemiah, I've set you apart. And no matter what they say over there, let's just all love one another and get along. They hate you. And I think in recent culture, you can really see this. It isn't just about a difference of opinion. I mean, you got people saying now that certain groups of people should be shot, should be killed, should because be, they don't have the same opinion. 2 Corinthians 11, 14. Okay. The context here, well, I'll leave it. We'll come back to it. We'll go to first, we'll go to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my brothers, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Sorry for the change on you. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be firm, immovable. Let me put it another way. Stubborn. Always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. You know what the context of that is? Doctrine of the resurrection. Paul is making that statement in the context of doctrine. When it comes to the right doctrine, be firm and immovable. Well, you know, Brother Tim, doctrine just divides, and we need to be in unity. So it really doesn't matter if I believe that the resurrection is just this metaphysical kind of thing, or you believe it's a real one, we can still get together. Yeah. Second thing that the enemy of the world wants to get you to believe is they care about the same things you care about. And you can see this on the talking heads on Sunday. You know what I mean by the talking heads on Sunday. The talk shows, the political shows, they come out and they always have an expert that's really not an expert. Um, but they have these people, okay? And, and they say, well, come on, we really want the same thing. We just want to raise our families, be able to feed our families, have a nice place to live, all that stuff. Okay, come on. Well, what we all want is just to live in peace with one another. That depends on who you is. And I said that in bad English on purpose. Remember, they want to say, look, we're not that far apart. We're very similar. Now we'll go to Colossians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. When he was speaking about false apostles, Paul says this there in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen: Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Uh, you know, we just need, it's, it's for your good, it's for our good. I mean, come on, your Bible says, oh, I hate that. When, when the bad guy, the, the, how do I want to put this? The pagan, the unbeliever who mocks the Bible in one conversation, wants to use it over here. Mocks Christians and Christianity and God over here, but tells you, you know, a really Christian would love his brother and put on a mask. I'm not telling you right or wrong about masks. That's not what I'm doing. I just hate that when they want to use that. They, they want to grab hold of the light and flash it around like they know what it is. Okay? He'll come wanting to look like, or he'll come looking like, something good. Something even godly, something even spiritual. Is unity a good thing? Oh, the Bible talks about us like oil running down Aaron's beard. And 1 John 2 and 16. 
all that is in the world. Remember, they're trying to claim we care about the same things. But all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are not from the Father, but from the world. The world comes to offer you anything. It's got to do with one of those. When Satan tempts you, it has to be in one of those. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. I can go through the temptation of Christ the same way, temptation of Eve, two big ones, but they follow that pattern. John 15 and 19. I just read that one, didn't I? Okay. So, first one is, tries to get you off, focused off of what is truly important, God's work. Tries to make you believe they care about the same things you do. We care about freedom. We care about whatever. Okay, but they're not talking scriptural freedom. They're talking the freedoms that they'll allow you to have. Did you catch that? Thirdly, the enemy will try to get you to sin. If they can't, excuse me, if the enemy can't get you to sin, it will get either you or someone else to question your motives. There, there must be, because the world operates that way. They operate out of selfish motive. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. They operate. So they must assume as a you must also operate. And this one that gets me is the idea, well, religion's just a crush, crush, crutch for the emotionally weak. The only reason you say that is because you as a non-believer have to find something to lean on when you're emotionally weak because you don't have God. I think one of the things that you see today without being too... Homosexuality is one of those issues. If you don't believe, or, or if you believe homosexuality is a sin, it's a wrong, immoral behavior, you're a homophobe. It can't be that you really believe this is wrong. You're just afraid. You just have a holier than that. You just think you're better than us. Come on, you never heard those before? Well, you're now wanting to attribute the motive to me and trying to question them because you can't comprehend how anything or anyone, in particular God, have absolute moral right and wrong. So you can go to all kinds of college campuses and ask this question. Okay, I can send you videos on it if you want. But these young adults in college will not say, that what Hitler did in the Holocaust was morally wrong. Because once you set up there's a moral attribute or moral absolutes, you have to say, why are there moral absolutes? So, so you're making a moral stand. Therefore, no, 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 no. Since there's really no moral absolutes, you, you must, it must be fear. Or you, you, just want, you just believe you're better than I am. No, I believe you're just like I am. I believe you will sin just like I will. But there's the power of God that could come along and transform that behavior just like he transforms mine. Oh, you bigot. They want to address your motive. That's what they try to do. Okay? And I want you to understand the next one is the enemy will be persistent at trying to get you to compromise on a little thing at first. Okay? Come on, Nehemiah, it's not a big deal. It's just a meeting, right? 
But Nehemiah knew that that meeting would lead to harm in him. I, I get that all the time in the area of Christian walk. Well, it's just, if you're saying that before you do it, not a good sign. Well, just one drink. You're right, it's just one. I just know very few people could leave it there. And by the way, if you're not a drinker and you do just drink one, whatever it is, if you're not a regular drinker, that could have, you could be more drunk than what you think, okay? Well, we're just making out. <laughs> yeah, that's how we all got in trouble. Well, well, it's just that, it's just, it's just a little thing. But remember what I told the kids. God calls us to be faithful in those little things. That's it, right? It, we can get pulled away so easily from the things of God, and then you sit down one day and you look at the week and you realize out of seven days this week, I read my Bible one. I got distracted, and it was, I was easily distracted from doing the little thing God calls me to do. My transformation, my sanctification, my transformation being more, being more and more into the image of God is through the Word. Jesus said, Father, sanctify them with truth. Your Word is truth. It is the Word that brings about sanctification. That is becoming more Christ-like, walking a more holy life. That happens through the Word. If you think you could come sit in church, raise your hands, whatever you want to do, and you're not in the Word and you think Sunday morning's enough, you're wrong. Do I say it like that? I, yeah, I should have been more gentle. Okay, it's the word of God that's going to bring that transformation. We got to learn to be faithful in the little things and not compromise on the little things. Because God says, when you get the little things down, yeah, I give you more. Now, could you imagine me telling my kids that for chores? You know, if you got the little chores down, I'll give you more. I don't think they'd buy that. Okay, but the things God calls us to are not chores. When you're doing it for God, it's a joy. Okay? Don't let the enemy convince you it's just a little thing. Well, that's all right. You just, you just missed your time with the Lord today. Oh, that, that was only two days in a row. Don't worry about it. Oh, you didn't get to it this week? Oh, you'll get to it next week. Don't worry about it. Now, I don't, I'm not telling you to walk in condemnation, though, over the fact that you hadn't done that. But let's get real. It's a little thing. If, if today, God forbid, you just decided, I'm taking a vacation from church and you're going to take a month off. I think you'd be surprised how hard it'd be to come back. Just the simple habit of getting your feet out of bed on a Sunday morning and hit the floor, grab your coffee first, um, you know, and get to church. It's one of the most difficult, it's a n difficult thing for new believers to develop those habits that'll lead to their spiritual growth. It seems, it seems difficult for us to do the little things, but it's not so easy, not so hard for us to do little things. On the other end, the negative little things. I'll ask, oh, that was a good move? Oh, yeah, good move. Oh, you mean good or entertaining? There is a difference. Well, did they swear in it? Well, I, I think there was just four GDs, two Fs, uh, and uh, four just... I'm going to be honest, most of the time when I ask people, they don't know. I, no, I don't think so. I don't remember hearing any of it all. So I take it home and put it in my clear play, which is a machine that blocks that stuff. That's most of the dialogue because it's blocking up. Wait a minute, and you didn't even hear that? How, 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 what do you think that is? Why do you think we don't hear that? 
We're immune to it. We don't say to the person at work who's swearing, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Could you have the right to speak that way? Could you just not do it while I'm here? Why don't you do that? Fear. Who do you think you are? You think you're better than me? No, no, I don't. But my God's better than both of us. It seems like we compromise on the easy things quickly. But to do the easy things quickly, that seems a lot harder. Okay? Next, the enemy wants us to think that really, there's no real major difference here. You can walk over here to one of the wards, LDS wards today, and you will go over there and they will try to tell you there isn't much difference between them. And we believe in salvation by grace. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in, we believe in, we believe in. It's just the words mean something different than ours does. Okay? All right? But I hear this all the time when I, people, when it comes to doctrine, and I want to stand firm on a doctrine, okay? And, to, well, all, all, all I need is Jesus. I don't need all that. What you're trying to say is when we say Jesus, there's no difference than you say it, the Mormon says it, Jehovah's Witnesses say it, the Muslims say it, or Nancy Pelosi says it. She's meaning the same thing. You're wrong. Okay? There is a huge difference between what is really important to a Christian and what's important to a non-Christian. There's a huge difference between my worldview and a Buddhist worldview. Massive, and I've had conversations with those Buddhists. Massive difference. Well, don't we all want the same thing? I mean, the Buddhist just wants to raise their family. By the way, they don't because they don't have kids. But, but, you know, the Mormons just want to have a family and raise their kids. The, the, the atheists, they just want to raise their kids and enjoy happy. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about having a happy life. I'm worried about bringing glory to God in my life. And if that means going off to a Nazi consecration camp, ask Corey Ten Boone, read her book. My goal in life is not my happy life. It's not my best life now. My goal in life is that God would be glorified in me. This is the important thing Nehemiah knew. Look, this over here I'm doing is way more important than this meeting because I'm going to give glory to God by doing what he said I would do. I talked about that a couple weeks ago, and Jesus Christ said the same thing. Glorify God by doing what he had sent me to do. Okay. Six. The enemy always wants you to meet him on his turf. They always want us to come with them too. Come on. Uh, hey, we're going to go break windows out of the old Johnson house. You want to come? And you go, hey, I bought, why don't we go to church? Uh-uh, you come with us. I can't imagine there's any young ladies... There may have, maybe, but I don't know of them, that became with child in church. Maybe in the backseat of the Ford. The enemy wants you on his turf. Why? Because then you're surrounded with his worldview, the way he thinks. If he went off to that meeting right on the Samaritan border with the Philistines, on, who do you, who, what do you think the meeting would look like? 
a Samaritan one, a Philistine one. My dad talks about during, after the Korean War, um, when they would come together to meet at these tables, the two sides, they argued over so long over who would set where. They didn't want anybody to mess with him. He was a welder, so he actually welded the names onto a metal table. Okay? So these sides could get together and talk. Okay? But the meeting had to be set up a particular way of who sat next to who based upon the Korean culture. I understand that. Okay? But Satan wants you to have a meeting with him where the things whole set up like his culture. Therefore, I suggest our church services shouldn't look like his culture. But that's another issue. He wants you to meet him on his turf. So be aware of the people. Because remember, he had people close to him. That's the final thing. Close to him, trying to tell him the benefits of meeting with this guy. Oh, man, he's a great guy. You can trust him. He's an honest fellow. Oh, he does such, he gives to the poor. It just talks about whatever his good deeds were. There were people around it kind of, answer. you need to go there because this is a good thing. Anything or anyone who wants you to go to the enemy's turf and be tested there. No, I'm going to be honest. You go out in the world, it's just work. It can be that. But there's a difference between work and a bar. Now, for you personally, I'm not saying this for me personally as a pastor. I go into a restaurant, um, table for four or whatever it is, and they go to seat me in the bar. I say, excuse me, could you seat me somewhere else than the bar? I'm going to say this out loud. The bar is the enemy's territory. Did I, did I say that? Yeah, I did say that out loud. What good happens in a bar? Not much. And the, is, if you don't know that it's a tool of the enemy, you're blind as a bat. I, I, just, I don't want to be thought of insinuated into that realm. Now, being a pastor, I know I have to live a little different standard than y'all. But for me, that, I don't know, for anybody, I don't see how you not see that's enemy territory. I would suggest to you broadcast television. Oh, man, I am going to be in big trouble. I'm serious. I, I, it's, it's amazing to me. You've you got to be careful about enemy territory. When you're surrounded by everything that's not godly, oh, not you. You can do it. You don't have to. You, know, you don't have you, know, you, you can have lunches with your secretary and it's not a big deal. Well, excuse me, they call it administrative assistant. You can, you, you can watch those movies. And, oh, doesn't do anything to me. That's naive. Avoid the enemy territory. Now I know life means you've got to go to the grocery store, go to work and all that kind of stuff. But I, may, you know, I don't think so, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't see Albertsons as the enemy territory. I, I see that as pretty neutral. I know they have the magazines on the shelves, but look away. This kind of thing. So the enemy wants you to get over his territory, to compromise on a little thing, to get you to believe it really doesn't matter, and to get you off Focus of what God wants you to do. It's a tactic he's used from the beginning of time. See that tree over there? Don't that tree look good? Did God say? Takes Jesus up on the top of the hill. See the kingdoms of the world? Look at that. Doesn't that look good? I mean, you could have all that. And today you could have two if you just ended a separate fee. 
I, I think today we've sort of gone to sleep on the tactics of the enemy. And we've neglected maybe some of those little things. All he had left to do were the doors. And why couldn't he go to a meeting? Just the doors. 98% done. But he wasn't. He was going to keep focused on what God had called him to do. Do you think they didn't get tired? Sleeping inside the city with no houses, it says. They're sleeping outside. Camp food. Okay, they didn't have MREs. Imagine he got tired. You know, a day off just, oh, that'd be nice. We'll just travel over there, have a little meeting, patch some things up with everybody. And, and we're, now when you, we'll just come back and do it then. Life makes you tired. Raising kids will wear you out. Going to work will be cause fatigue, especially in the traffic, okay, and so on. But you can't let life get you to the point where you're not focusing on what God wants you to do. That's one of the things in the parable of the sower. And the worries of life just choked you out. That's just life, okay? But we got to be aware of those tactics and be like Nehemiah says, oh, no, 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 no. I, I ain't got time for your stuff. I'm busy doing God's stuff. Let's stand. I had a whole section on there of sort of urban legends, Christians believe, how we believe rumors too, but I left that out because we're out of time. But it was a good section. Father, I thank you for your word, for in it is truth, life, and our sanctification. God, it is easy to, pay, to get wrapped up in paying the bills, to looking forward to a vacation, to raising the kids, to all the things that life is. God, guard us, I pray, that in the midst of all that, we don't get distracted from what you have called us to do. Even in those little things, they will be the important things that we must continue faithfully, persistently do. Open our eyes to the tactics of the enemy. Let us see it. You open our eyes to it, God. Everybody, Satan comes at in a different way or different tools. God, open our eyes to that. God, I pray that we would be focused on what brings you glory. What edifies your name, not mine. What draws people to you, not me. God, I thank you for your word. Every day it brings me life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC PO Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. 
Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.